This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Three, two, one. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. So we are going to be working on um, uh, obtaining some of the uh, infrastructure bill monies that will be coming down the pipeline. I know the city of Chicago is committed to uh, making sure that the lead uh, pipelines are replaced. Uh, That's gonna cost a bit bit of money. That's Mariana Spiropoulos, a member of the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago's Board of Commissioners, talking about the latest infrastructure bill and its role in centralized water treatment. And welcome to WQA Radio, where we bring you news and insights about the water treatment industry and promote the betterment of water quality around the world. Find us at wqa.org, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This is episode number 218. If you're joining us for the first time, we're glad you're here. Be sure to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss a show. That's the magic of podcasting. And if you've been with us for a while, do us a favor, go on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating. That's how we grow the audience. We're publishing this on June 2nd of 2021. And in this episode, we talk with Mariana Spiropoulos about the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago, how its role works alongside of Chicago's public water system, and her role in sharing the recent Third International Water and Waste Management Conference. Plus, we'll have our WQA tip. Now on to my conversation with Mariana Sparopoulos on WQA Radio. We're joined by Mariana Sparopoulos, a member of the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago's Board of Commissioners. She's been on the board since 2010, and she recently served as chairperson for the Third International Water and Waste Management Conference and Expo, and has been a longstanding advocate for increased investment in our country's water infrastructure. So, Mariana, thank you for joining us on WQA Radio. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And we are also joined by WQA's Global Government Affairs Director, David Loveday. David, great to have you. Thanks, Wes. You know, um, the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago, it's a mouthful, but uh, that's kind of a neighbor of WQA. We're just down the road a ways, Mariana, in Lyle, a suburb of Chicago, but uh the district is responsible for treating wastewater and providing stormwater management for residents and businesses in the area. Why don't you give us a, a high-level overview of what it does and what you do on the board? Well, thanks again uh, for having me. And um, I love talking about um, the district because I think it's a great uh, government agency. And we do two things. We treat wastewater and we manage stormwater. And so these aren't top of mind for a lot of people, uh, but what we do is critical to communities' health and well-being. And so we treat wastewater through seven treatment plants that we have throughout the county. 
So everything that comes from your toilet, your sink, your dishwasher, your washing machine, your shower, all of that goes into your local sewer system, then connects to an interceptor, which is where the Water Reclamation District comes in, and transports it to one of our treatment plants to be treated uh, through our process and then released into um, the uh, sanitary and ship canal. Um, and so there's liquid and solid that comes to our plant, the organic matter that's solid, we turn into biosolids, and the liquid that comes out of the plant and is cleaned uh, becomes something that we call effluent. The stormwater management side of what we do, because Chicago land has combined sewers, which means you've got rainwater and wastewater together in the same uh, sewer system, um, we basically deal with flood water. And when you've got both rainwater and uh, wastewater together, uh, there's a lot of competition for space in our infrastructure. Um, so we're doing a lot of green infrastructure, which I'm happy to talk to you about today, um, to absorb stormwater where it hits so you don't have it all going into the same uh, sewer system. We've got the deep tunnel project, which is tunnel and reservoir plan that's been around for a few decades. It involves 109 miles of intersecting tunnels throughout the county that takes the overflow of uh, wastewater and stormwater and transports it to uh, one of our reservoirs. We've got three reservoirs throughout the county and the tunnel and the reservoirs combined hold about 22 billion gallons of stormwater. And that's so it doesn't go in the streets. Um, and it lessens the likelihood that it will go into people's basements. That's the wow. short answer. <laughs> yeah. Wow, wow, wow. You know, we uh, when we had the opportunity to speak with you, we knew that there was a, the focus on uh, wastewater and stormwater. But how does all of that, if it, if it does, affect the drinking water in the Chicago area? So that's a great question. We work very closely with the Chicago Department of Water. Um, we are not, uh, we are wastewater. We are not drinking water. Uh, oftentimes people confuse us for drinking water, uh, the drinking water department, but we are uh, the tail end and they are the front end. Um, and hopefully the, the two shall never meet. Um, but what we do can affect uh, the drinking water and in what way you ask. So um, oftentimes when we have an overflooded system, um, the only alternative to reduce the water that may overflow into the streets or basements is to release into the lake. That is always a last resort. Um, and the thinking is that when the water comes into the city, it is processed and filtrated so that it is clean. Um, but like I said, we uh, use that as a last resort to control flooding. And um, it has uh, the incidences of releasing to the lake have been reduced lately because of all of the green infrastructure and large reservoirs that we have online now, which are helping reduce flooding. And for those who are not uh, familiar with uh, the lake, Lake Michigan, well, I'm sure you're familiar with Lake Michigan, but many who perhaps are not from the area don't know that that is the source of Chicago's drinking water. And that's why it's important to note that if there are emptying uh, the deep water or uh, deep tunnel into the lake, that's the, that's the potential for a problem. And Wes, if I could just... also uh, drinking water for many of the suburbs too, Lake Michigan. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Wes, could I add one more thing, just in terms of a historical perspective? Um, in the 1800s, Chicago used to put its waste in the Chicago River, which ran into Lake Michigan. Now, it sounds sort of disgusting when you think about it today, but thinking back to that time, that was a very common plumbing method um, throughout the world. And unfortunately, there are some communities that still use that. But um, because people were getting sick in Chicago, the state legislature created our agency. And one of the first things we did in the year 1900 was to reverse the flow of the river. So Chicago was still putting its waste in the river, but it was running west instead of east. But we did protect Chicago lands drinking water in Lake Michigan, as you mentioned, um, which was the source of drinking water then as it is today. Now, in the 1920s and 30s, we started building our treatment plants um, in order to divert that wastewater. But it did cause a bit of a problem at the turn of the century because the waste was going downstream and towns like St. Louis were dealing with Chicago's waste. And it did result in a Supreme Court case, which Chicago won. And I'm sure politics had nothing to do with it. <laughs> uh, that's probably true. Yes. Uh, so, hey, well, it sounds complicated. It sounds also quite uh, amazing that that's in fact, wasn't that reverse engineering of the river considered to be a, a major engineering feat at the time. Absolutely. It's pretty yeah. amazing today, too. Yeah. So you control the lock there uh, to, to let the water in and out and all the sh all the boats, all the sailboats and uh, tourism boats and all of that. They have to pass through the lock, yes. which allows for the river level to equalize with the lake level and then they can pass through. So that's quite right. a. That's quite a, a quite a feat. So and that's how they reversed the flow of the river was through gravity. So in order to lower the the level of of the river, so that it would run west instead of east. All right. So what are your greatest challenges, or perhaps the single most greatest challenge for you these days? Well, um, there's there's multiple things that we <clears throat> excuse me are are. Um, are working on. And just a few of those would be um, in terms of um, prioritizing um, environmental justice uh, uh, for our projects. Um, we do make sure that we invest in uh, the machinery that we have, but the impact that we have on communities uh, is, is very important um, to us. So we are countywide. We, we deal with all 883 square miles of Cook County. But there are some areas that have more challenges with regards to their infrastructure than others. And they may, uh, <clears throat> they may experience more flooding than others. And it, it's a, there's multiple factors contributing to that. But if it's a lack of infrastructure, that's something that we can make an impact on. Um, so we are going to be working on um, uh, obtaining some of the uh, infrastructure bill monies that will be coming down the pipeline. I know the city of Chicago is committed to uh, making sure that the lead uh, pipelines are replaced. Uh, that's going to cost a bit, bit of money. Um, a lot of communities, a lot of towns have been affected by the lack of, of money coming in because of covid um, and so this infrastructure bill is going to play a huge part um, uh, on the Water Reclamation District, as well as the infrastructure that City of Chicago is planning on replacing. I'm sure David would be interested in talking to you more about the infrastructure bill. David, go ahead. 
A lot of the uh, infrastructure is looking at lead replacement, lead, lead in service line. And Chicago has a great need for the lead line replacement. And in the infrastructure bill, we're working on making sure that why they do the replacement point of use and point of entry equipment is available that can remove lead very easily. Because when lead, line, lead lines are replaced, you usually see a spike in the neighborhood of lead because it shakes everything up. Right. But uh, that, that's what we're focusing on, especially for Chicago. And we're going to look at other contaminants, too. But, uh, you know, wastewater is important to have that because that can definitely set a challenge toward water treatment for, for use. So um, I, I think that the legislature was right to do what they did when they mm -hmm. formed it. It's been around for a long time. I think the stormwater management is very important. Too, because I can go into some areas where you have drinking water issues. So, pretty much that's what we'll be watching. So, so you're right. You know, the the uh, lead um, in our uh, in the pipes and affecting the water is is something that's very important. We're also looking at um, PFAS. Uh, that's something that's very prevalent in the industry across the board. Um, it's it's going to be challenging, um, but it's something that um, you know we're we're going to be. Um, we're going to be dealing with and, and we're, we'll tackle um, together with other stakeholders. Um, we're looking at um, pharmaceuticals in our water, trying to make sure that dispo proper disposal takes place in um, an environmentally conscious way as opposed to putting it down um, into the water uh, way. That, that's a bit of a challenge, too. It requires outreach. It re requires education. And it requires um, giving people the option as to where to properly dispose of it. Um, the green infrastructure component, so that would be the flooding. Um, so, you know, we've got the water quality and looking at the flooding component. We've got uh, climate change is affecting the area in a major way. Um, we've got um, more intense rainstorms that are overflowing our system. And unfortunately, um, our infrastructure has gotten a pretty uh, low grade um, with regards to being up to the job as to what we needed to do. So this infrastructure bill will be very important um, so that we can make upgrades um, uh, in that as well. And um, you asked me, uh, Wes, about um, you know some of the, the challenges or some of the things that we're looking at. We're looking at sustainability. How do you make wastewater sustainable? Um, and so there are so many things on the spectrum. We look at wastewater and what can we get out of that wastewater in order to see if we can have it generate revenue so that we reduce our burden on the taxpayer. Um, we got the biosolids, we can make that into fertilizer. We can try to use the effluent for construction um, or for cooling stations for technology. Um, you can use it for um, uh, fountains, people have come up with different ideas. So those are two things. The energy that comes out of our capturing the methane gas, converting it to energy so that we can become um, uh, self-sustainable with regards to our energy. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there's so many things that, that we're looking at uh, creating phosphorus. Uh, from our biosolids. Phosphorus is important for agriculture. We're capturing that phosphorus and uh, trying to make a fertilizer from it as well so that um, you know, we can be more sustainable. So that, that's really how we're looking at it holistically as opposed to just looking at it in silos and compartmentalizing things. We need to look at the entire system 
what our role is in the communities, what our role is in, in terms of our region, um, and, uh, you know, in terms of our industry as well. That's a good point, because talk about reuse, our industry does a lot of reuse for, for water and treat mm -hmm. it. But you look at it, Chicago has this issue, but you go out west and you have the drought conditions out in California and the west coast. So that's going to be very important in the future. And, and you know, you, you, you bring up a good point because, um, you know, in Chicago, um, Chicago sells the water to the surrounding communities. So if that is something where it's a revenue generator, you then have to work around that as a, uh, an issue as well when you're trying to get buy-in to use effluent because you're taking away that revenue. So, you know, there's a way to do that. And we, and we just have to be more creative in terms of coming up with options to make it work for everybody. I mentioned in the introduction that you had chaired the third international water and waste management conference and expo. Mm -hmm. What, uh, what was that all about? What did you take away from that? Um, well, it was pretty exciting. Um, it, it, it was the third international water and waste management conference. Um, and just to give you a little bit of background um, about it, um, the first two conferences were actually held in India. And there were several members of our staff, the Water Reclamation District, who were originally um, from India. And uh, they knew that the country was facing a lot of water and waste uh, management uh, challenges. And they thought bringing this, the expertise from the Water Reclamation District to India um, would help uh, both, both in terms of public business opportunities as well as knowledge sharing. So due to COVID, um, you know, we had to uh, come up with a virtual approach to this, which was great because it also expanded it uh, much. We had a much farther reach. We had met, uh, people from England, South Africa, um, Thailand, um, India, Canada. Um, so, you know, obviously, if you're virtual, you can you, you got a, a wider reach. And um, it was both knowledge as well as a, a business platform. So and it was India and the U.S., um, a, a simultaneous platforms working at the same time. And um, there were several things that, that um, I focused on, which was women in water, um, trying to attract uh, women to um, the industry, um, which requires uh, more family-friendly policies, encourage training, mentorship, um, and maybe even targets for gender composition um, in terms of um, uh, various um, companies, as well as utilities, such as the Water Reclamation District. So, so that was one thing. There were a lot of conversations in terms of that, um, and a regional water policy um, with regards to again, not just looking at one um, agency, but how do we work with the Department of Water? How are we working with the 125 municipalities that we're working with? Um, so that was uh, another thing that uh, that I looked at. Um, we think that we're going to try to have a local water summit um, to flesh out the various issues that different stakeholders are facing. So that was something that came out of it. And another thing um, was um, that we signed an MOU between um, Thailand um, Education Department and um, a, a U.S. water company um, to help them with training uh, people on the ground uh, to make sure that uh, they're going in the right direction and they're looking at uh, the issues facing water in the best way possible. 
So um, it's, a, it's a work in progress. There, there's a thinking that hopefully next year they'll be there in person. So you guys are invited to India for the next conference. <laughs> we have an office in India. <laughs> there you go. You're, you're already there. <laughs> but I think that's important. We work with a lot of regional and uh, state groups, regulators, and policymakers. So we understand the complications when it comes to that issue. And you can imagine when you go out west with the Bureau of Reclamation in the, in the Colorado River, all those uh, regulations with how much they can take out, how much they have to put back in and make sure it's clean before it goes to Mexico. Very similar to Lake Michigan. Very hard now to get um, other communities to have access to Lake Michigan drinking water. So, and we have to we have to think about that because places like City of Joliet, um, they're dependent on an aquifer, and they're going to be um, it'll be exhausted by 2030. So uh, you're right. Um, you know, there we have to really look at. Um, you know, we're very lucky in the Midwest, especially in Chicago, to have Lake Michigan in our backyard, uh, but we cannot take it for granted. Um, and we need to be forward thinking when it comes to natural resources like this. Well, Mariana, thank you so much for joining us and for being willing to talk with us and uh, sharing uh, your expertise. We wish you well. Thank you so much, Wes. Thank you, Dave. It's nice meeting you nice guys. Meeting Thanks you. for having me. Mariana Sparopoulos, a member of the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago, joining us on WQA Radio. Our WQA tip, the WQA Business Boot Camp is coming up July 27th in Las Vegas, just ahead of the start of the WQA Convention and Exposition. The great part about boot camp is learning from the business experts while also interacting with your colleagues who are going through many of the same challenges and issues that you are. Register for boot camp when you register for convention. Go on over to wqa.org bootcamp to learn more and learn more about convention, which takes place July 28th through the 30th at the Las Vegas Convention Center at wqa.org slash convention. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, a podcast of the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on most popular podcast apps. Learn more about water at WQA.org and, of course, learn about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at WQA.org. This is Wes Bleed. So long from WQA Radio. WQA Radio.